This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Hi, this is Marina Sirdis, Diana Troy from Star Trek The Next Generation. You're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, listeners, to another cup of Earl Grey, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the next generation. I'm your host, Amy Nelson, and we have Richard and Justin who are gone. But I am not sipping my Earl Grey tea by myself. I have with me Zach Moore from Standard Orbit. Zach, thank you so much for coming on to Earl Grey. Happy to be here, Amy. Uh, your crew abandoned you, so I'm, I'm happy to, to step in <laughs> and, yeah. and, and do Earl Grey with you this week. You know, I think the last time I was here was when we had our, our big crossover about the movies, right? The, the best of the worst and yes. the worst of the best or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> so, that was so much fun. It's nice It's nice to just come on and talk about uh, something that doesn't require watching you know, 13 movies and complete seasons of episodes. And now th- this is going to be a, quite an in-depth uh, discussion and, and perhaps controversial discussion. But but I'm but I I, 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 I uh, I'm all about that. So bring it on, I say. Yeah, well, the show must go on, so we need to have um, get to this topic, which I feel quite passionate about. And uh, listeners, I just want to give a little warning. Um, please, this is going to be a very difficult uh, discussion that we're going to have um, some adult scenarios. So if you are listening with children, please um, be warned that we are talking uh, adult situations of rape and sexual assault. So please be warned if you have any triggers. Um, this is your warning. Uh, so please listen with care. And uh, yeah, anything else to add with that, Zach? No, just listen. Listen with caution. And uh, yeah, if if you are, you know, if you listen to this like as a family or have your kids listen to it, maybe listen to it first. You know, and then say, okay, maybe we'll. It's like it's like discovery. You know, watch it first. Before you yes. watch it with your kids, right? So, so this episode of All Grey is like an episode of Star Trek Discovery. I think that's the best <laughs> preface we can put on a disclaimer, right? Yes. So we are talking about Troy's dishonor. And what got me thinking, I've heard through fandom that Troy is used all the time. Like she's the go-to character, that she's the only one who gets violated, whether that's sexually or telepathically. And it got me thinking, like, what are these episodes um, that happens to Troy where she is violated or assaulted or, you know, and so we're going to look at and discuss these episodes um, that 
I think fans may or may not. And then I think at the end of the episode, we're going to see if we really agree that is she the character of next gen that gets continually violated and that there's no purpose to it. I think that's been the complaint of many fans that I've seen across time. Yeah, over on Stan Urbit, you know, we like to analyze things that have become kind of tropes, and even though they're not necessarily the case with Star Trek, you know, like the original series, like, oh, Captain Kirk as a lady in every port, he's a ladies' man. It's like, well, not really. You know, if you really look at it, it's, he's, he's not really going around hooking up with anyone as his, as his uh, reputation precedes him. And which is his reputation. The Kelvin, the Kelvin timeline didn't help with that because it kind of took that pop culture understanding. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess that's Captain Kirk. So, yeah. that, you know, that's just one example of something that, like, something happens a handful of times over the course of, of dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of episodes. And it becomes like, this happens every time. This is, you know, but not really. I mean, if you look at, you know, next gen era, right, you get 26 episodes a season. This might, and we'll break, you know, like you said, we'll break down the numbers here when we get to the end, but this might happen, you know, a handful of times, but it's a fraction. Of the episodes, and also you know a fraction of the episodes that the Troy has a prominent role in. So I think it, I think it is an unfair criticism. Although she is, yeah, she she is targeted more than more than most characters. But I think it's unfair to think that's the only that's the only purpose she serves on the show on the ship. Yeah, yeah, and so that was the genesis of this episode. So I wanted to um, first sort of just go through this, and she was brought on. Well, not she, but well, yes, I guess we could say the, she. The character she of was, Troy was conceived, right? <laughs> yes, the character of Troy was brought on um, to be almost a sexual object. Um, and why I say that is because according to the book um, that Gene Roddenberry, the myth and the man behind Star Trek, Lieutenant Commander Troy was supposed to have a whole lot of cleavage. Now, she is the one that does show the most cleavage on The Next Generation. And listeners, if you listened to last week's episode, we interviewed Dorinda Wood, who was the costume designer for season two. And she did talk about that she um, did have more cleavage shown and, and that that was the direction of the producers there. Now, Jean, imagine Troy as a four-breasted, oversexed hermaphrodite. Yes. And so it was very interesting that she was supposed to have four breasts. Zach, thoughts on that? Yeah, that's, um, it's like a weird sci-fi thing. I think it's like, hey, look, here's a woman with four breasts or three breasts. You know, in Total Recall, there's the woman with three breasts. You go, the same actress plays Sonya Gomez in the season, season two of TNG, right? Uh, but it's like, uh, uh-huh. what, what, what's the what's what's the point of this? It's like literally, you know, over titulation, right? <laughs> I guess so. Uh, and luckily, <laughs> literally, literally, right? And then you know, luckily, DC Fontana, who had been with you know Star Trek from the beginning, kind of talked talked him out of it, right, Amy? Yeah, she says, "quote I honestly believe you will offend most women and maybe a lot of men with this character." <laughs> yes. Uh, you think? And she continues, besides, how are you going to arrange those four provocatively shaped breasts? Four in a row? They had better be small. Two banks of two? Do you know how much trouble women have with the normal number, keeping them out of the way of things? I mean, really? Four straight up and down? Don't be silly. So thankfully, 
with the help of DC Fontana and also Major Barrett, uh, she put in her two cents that I read up and they just decided to go with two breasts, but with cleavage. Yeah. Good job. Star Trek, right? And this is what, this is what amuses me. You know, Gene Roddenberry came up with this people. Gene yes. Roddenberry, I mean, he did a lot of great things starting Star Trek and all this stuff, but he's not Mr. Sate, <laughs> you know, up there, the, the great bird of the galaxy. He had some crazy ideas, some wacky views about things, uh, which show itself in all the Star Treks he has the most control over. Uh, you know, you talk about Troy, like, showing cleavage, right? Like, in the first episode, in Counter Farpoint, she isn't, yes, she's in, like, the, the cheerleader outfit, but it is still a uniform. So it's like, okay, good, this is... You even have men walking around in this, which, are, which is everyone loves pointing out in season one, right? Uh, Tasha wears it in the last scene, but you don't really see her. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's I, I don't know. Like I think I wish she would have stayed in this costume. Uh, and then the hair, her, Troy's hair was always a struggle. It seems in the early years, right? But I'm not. I give yeah, the the frizzy, curly '80s hair popping all out didn't help. It kind of led to the I mean uh, to more of the cheerleader talk with that outfit, but. I feel like at least she's like, okay, she's got a rank on her uniform. She looks like everybody officer. Like, yeah, it's it's a little sexualized, but it is a, a you know, a, a, a unisex costume men and women were wearing it. So I feel like, you know, if maybe if she were wearing that, people, people would have treated her with a little more point of view, like, of, of oh, okay, you're an officer. You know, as Maria Sergis has said, like, you know, uh, the boobs go away and the, and, the, and the brains get bigger, right, for the character, right? When she finally got a costume, uh, a uniform in, in season six. And that, that yeah, and, and that... Um, that, that yeah, her outfits didn't do her favors. You know, these get in Star Trek. It's like I understand you have to have your sex with people on the show, right? But look at like Deep Space Nine. You had Kira and Dax, and they're both wearing uniforms. They're both very attractive women and the, and, and professionals. And you're like, oh look. And then you know, it's like when Troy got her got her uniform. She again, it didn't make her less attractive. You know, it just made her more like, oh okay, a, a more re- respected figure on the bridge instead of oh, who, who, what's up with that woman over there with the low cut. <laughs> Sure. What's her What's her deal? You know. So anyway, the costumes didn't do any favors, I think. And 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 say these skin tight costumes, all that, the Starfleet uniforms are tight enough. <laughs> yeah. So we don't yes, need to go over so, That's my take <laughs> on the whole, like the presentation of Troy, if you will. Right. And so going along with this theme, I was thinking Hollow Pursuits, and this is season three, episode twenty one. And this di- uh, aired April 30th, 1990. And this is the one where Barkley has the, uh, where he goes to the holodeck and he's recreating the, the crew of the Enterprise in this holodeck and going there to relieve his social anxiety. Would you say yeah, that? I, yeah, can- I mean, uh, it, it's it's often been said like this is like like a critique of star trek fans themselves i don't i don't think it's that per se i think it's more of a universal like hey you know we all have real life can be tough sometimes and it's nice to have an escape and all that uh but you gotta you gotta have a respectful escape you know i mean this technology i mean it is for the first time you think about if we had a holodeck today what people would use it for and what people would do with it and it's like you know what this in its star trek way shows i mean it doesn't get too crazy with anything right but in Star Trek way, it kind of shows like, yeah, you know, people would do this. Like, yeah, I don't even in the 24th century, people would do this, especially, you know, social introverts that like Barkley. And that, it really is a great episode. And Barkley's a great character. And th- this one really shows like uh, how somebody could cope with this kind of stuff. But that, that is a real unsettling thought that that, you know, pe- you could just when they have this technology, somebody could just recreate you in a in a fictional environment and then just do whatever 
you know, with you as a, as a as a character in their fantasy and whatever that might fantasy may be, right? So yeah, that's unsettling. Um, and it's amusing in the episode, like Troy's all like, oh, we have to, we need to go deeper into a psyche. We don't want to damage him, right? And then, they, of course, they come across the, the goddess of empathy, and Riker's very amused. Like, oh, yeah, we get to find out what's troubling this poor man, you know? So, of course, Riker has something to say about it. But him and Troy, I mean, you know, they have, they have such a history anyway. Like, he is the one guy that could say that to her and get away with it, I think. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and she, that's when she draws the line, right? When she sees herself being, you know, her image being absconded for this situation. Yeah. And, in this fantasy, like she's sexualized, like she's wearing these drapes and robes and that doesn't happen with any of the other characters like Riker. He's, you know, a foot shorter, which is pretty funny. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, so we see the Barclays, you know, changing. But with Troy, it goes in this sexual nature. So, and, you know, it's like. I don't know how I feel about that because I I wouldn't want someone imagining me in as the subject of their fantasy, a sexual fantasy in any way, shape or form, you know? Yeah. I mean, on some level, like it's flattering, right? Regardless of who you are, like, like, oh, somebody likes it. But then you like, like that's your, you know, that's on some level. Okay. But like the other, that's a, that's a percentage. I'm just being real here. But like the other, the other higher, very high percentage, is like whoa, whoa, what gave you the right to take my image and do whatever you want with it? You know, I mean, that's that's the same thing with like creepers who are like, you know, it's the same idea of creepers like taking pictures of people when they shouldn't, or you know, following people. Like you know, you hear about you hear about weird people like video people in the bathroom and stuff like that. You know, it's like that, I mean, yeah, and that that's a lot darker than what we're presenting in this episode. But I think the same kind of thing applies. And the show does say like this is wrong. You shouldn't be doing this. You know, like Jordy's like, hey, <laughs> like yeah, I know he pulls him aside. He's like, you don't want to turn this thing off. You don't recreate people you know. That's just weird, you know. And um, it's it's a uh, it is you know there is a little comedy to be had there, right? But the sh- this episode does walk the fine line of like, okay, we had a little laugh, but we all understand this is wrong and you shouldn't be doing this. So I, I, I think it I think it finds a good balance there. Yeah, and, and I I do agree with you. Um, on that, that it does in the end, it's like, yeah, this is something that you don't do. Surprise that there's not any regulations, but how are you going to regulate unless someone's viewing all of these holodeck programs well, that are being I, I created? Guess, is there not a lock on the holodeck door? I've always thought about this because people are always just walking in, <laughs> you know? So I guess that this, it's like, if there's no lock on the door, then I guess that's like, right? you know, it's like you're at your parents' house thing come in any minute. What are you really going to do in your room? Right. I mean, I guess that's the, I, I mean, you know, that's, that's the way I, I choose to look at it. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Visual image. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, moving on from this sexual objectification, uh, let's talk about some of the violations that happen. And um, the first one, actually, that you brought up, Zach, was the survivors. And that, again, is a season three, episode three, uh, which aired in October of 1989. So this is the one where we have this all-powerful being, Kevin, and he has committed genocide, right? Just killed an entire race. And he's basically condemning himself. And he's created this little square patch of green grass with the one house on it. Um, But there's this music box. And he is blocking Troy's empathic powers because he doesn't want 
Troy to find out what he's done. Yeah, it's a it's a good use of neutralizing Troy's abilities because I think you know she and that, that it's a plot hole. A lot of episodes are like, oh, I think I think they might be lying, Captain. Like, well, are they? Are they not? Like, you know, because uh, people do people straight up you know lie to the crew or whatever. Or there's a mystery to be solved, and if you could just you know read somebody's mind, it's like a real like okay, well, what what's really going on here? So I think this is a clever way to neutralize that because the whole plot revolves around who is this guy and his wife, what's going on here? Things aren't as well they appear to be. If you had somebody that could just like scan what's going on or get impressions of what's going on, that the the the, the jig is up for this guy. And since he's super powerful alien, you know, he just and and it's unintentional, right? Like he didn't mean like he all he wanted to do was like block. And in my in my opinion, we'll talk about this. I can see she Amy looks uh, like she disagrees, but I think like he wanted to block her from from figuring out what's going on. But he didn't. I don't think he meant to like cause her so much like pain and anguish and that kind of stuff. Like I think that was an unintentional side effect of what he was doing. Because at the end, he did he did stop it, and and that's when he has this whole like you know uh, uh, forgive me thing to Picard and goes on his goes on his way. So I, I think. This was not a malicious, I mean, bottom line, I don't think it was a malicious thing against her. I think it was just a side effect of him blocking her from uh, reading what's going on. Okay. I agree with you that I don't believe it was malicious. However, the intent was there. And so I think you have to judge him on the intent because he knew exactly what he was doing. And so I think he really is able and should be held accountable for what happened to Troy. And he does apologize, and I'm trying to remember if he specifically apologized. He does. He apologize, apologizes to Troy for causing her so much pain. I just don't know. Does that make it right? I, d- I don't well, know. No, this it, it, this it, episode, <laughs> you know, is so full of, you know, just this philosophy and moral situation because Kevin already feels bad. So I don't know what judgment you could do. And that's sort of what Picard sort of leaves. It's like, I can't judge this. This is too grand of a scale. But I think with what he did with Troy, because of his intent, he had this purpose of in you know, blocking her intentionally. Yeah. So I sort of look at it that way. I mean, that is a good point. Like he didn't know that he was infringing on someone else's rights to get, you know, to, 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 to get his desired end result, which was just to be left alone. So when you look at it that way, I mean, I, I, yeah, I guess I got, I guess I got his apology at the end. I was like, Oh, okay. He was sorry about it. But, but no, bottom line, you shouldn't be tampering around with people's minds. And that's what he was doing here. And it wasn't like a, uh, um, it wasn't like some of the ones we'll have later, right? Where it's like a, a true assault, as it were. It was more just a, a mental, you know, just just something that kind of like it, it, it's like turning on like a like a really loud dog whistle, that only dogs can hear or something, and like pointing it at her like that. That's basically what he did, and that's that is a form. You know, you're, you're kind of yeah. I, maybe I was too quick to forgive old Kevin there <laughs> because it is kind of a <laughs> it is a form of like torture. I don't know, you know, like the it's, it's you know like sound torture. I mean, it's the kind of stuff they do. And right? They drive you crazy, like playing music, like in prisoners, like they play the same thing over and over and and, and drive you crazy. So yeah, not cool, Kevin. Um, yeah. But but unfortunately, you're right. Like at the end of the episode, he can't be he can't be you know punished for it because I mean, what can they do? Like you said already. So. Yeah. And so one of the points that I bring up, you know, having this discussion with other people, it's like, I sort of feel like 
you know, when they say, well, it always happens to Troy. Well, she's the only one with empathic powers. Like in this scenario, Kevin wouldn't have needed to do that because no one else has these empathic powers. Like he was trying to block her from reading him. So the reason that a lot of these things happen to Troy is because she has this ability and that makes her vulnerable. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I would equate it because I was thinking about this too, because that's why she, that's why these things happen to her. Uh, it's like data, right? He's an Android and he turned off, you know? So it's like, so he gets, it's his weakness. You know? So, so, you know, when people take over the ship, was the first thing they do. They neutralize data. They turn them off. They cut a circuit here. You know, they do this. So, uh, so unfortunately, that 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 is why you know Data's targeted in that way, and Troy's targeted in this way for her. It has nothing to do with anything else about her. It's just it's just the fact right. that her her race, you know, has telepathic abilities, and you need to neutralize that to do other things. And that 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 is why she, they they find ways to uh, to write to this because they because it's a, it's a plot hole if they don't. Like I was saying earlier, it's like, oh, why didn't she just scan him and find out what's going on? Okay, well, we need to solve that. So let's have something get in the way of that. So there go these stories. And so, yeah, that's sort of why I feel like Troy's, you know, this whole subject is because she is from Beta Z. Well, half Beta Z, you know. And I'll ask a question at the end because I'm still formulating it, but... I want to come back to her being Beta Z. Okay. Okay. So another violation, and again, maybe use the word, we can decide if it is a violation or not, is the loss. And this is season four, episode 10, which aired on December 31st, 1990. New Year's Eve. Weird. I know. Syndication, I guess. Weird times. Well, this is the one where Troy loses her empathic abilities um, because she's caught up in this two-dimensional cosmic string that's traveling through the space. And, like, she's caught up. The Enterprise is caught up in it. And this two-dimensional, it, like, brings her down. And so it takes away this her empathic abilities. So what do you think about the loss? Is it a violation? What do we think about that? You know, this is one that is more kind of on the fits because it's not an attack on her per se in any way. Uh, it's more just something that happens because these, you know, because of the nature of these aliens and the dimensional plane and all that stuff. Uh, and how she deal, deals with it is, is, is interesting as well. So I, I don't, I don't really see it as that. Um, it's more like, you know, if they're, it's kind of like uh, ethics is for Worf. Like, okay, oh, he broke his back. He's got to deal with this disability this episode. And Troy's like, oh, you know, she broke her telepathy. She's got to deal with that disability this episode. So I, it's more in a different category. Like, and they just, you know, it, it, it just falls into that category again because she's Betazoid. That's an easy, like, oh, we know. We can, what if there's an episode where Troy loses her powers, right? And like, that, that is like a writer's room question. Like, I'm sure that's up on a blackboard somewhere, right, when they're doing that. So... That, uh, to me, like th- this one is a separate category than most of these other episodes we're going to talk about, just because of of that's the, that's the that's the concept of the whole thing. It's like, what if Troy lost her powers, or what if Worf broke his back, or something like that? Instead of like, oh, how are we going to you know, neutralize Troy this week? It, because you didn't you didn't need to hide her, like you didn't need to neutralize her powers, like for to to solve the plot. Like that that was the plot. Like it wasn't a a crisis that they couldn't figure out without her, and she had to get it back to figure it out. Uh, that's and I, in fact that's the whole point of this episode. It's kind of, hey, you don't need these. She she kind of thinks she needs these to be an effective officer. And the point is that she doesn't. 
Yeah. And I think why this one is sort of in a separate category, even though it is tragic that she does lose her empathic abilities, but there's no intent on these two dimensional cosmic string beings like the purpose. They were not there. That was not their purpose. That was not their intent. So and that's the difference it, between her and Kevin, you know, because like, like, right. like, like, like you were saying, like, I, I was quick to forgive Kevin. I know. Uh, but with them, like they didn't even know she existed. You know, like they, they were just passing through. He was like, oh, this is a telepath. I need to stop her. These these, these beings are just they're, they're doing their thing, like, oblivious to any harm they were causing. Yeah. So, okay, another one where she is violated, um, season six, so a couple seasons later, episode three, Man of the People. And this is the one where Alcar brings on his quote-unquote mother, and he is going to mediate uh, negotiations between two planets, and his quote-unquote mother dies and so he asked to do this funeral ceremony with Troy. However, during when she's holding these funeral stones, he transfers all of his negative energies to Troy. This is the one where she ages. She gets really old because now she has to deal with his emotional baggage, if you will, that way. Yeah, this guy's a straight up predator. Like this this guy, I mean, he has a, he has a, a list, you know, of... of- of, of people he's done this to before. So he has a pattern and you know, he's figured out how to take advantage of people. Women mainly has been his MO. Uh, and then like, Oh, you're oh, help me get through this situation. And all this, you know, all that stuff. And yeah, so this, this is by far like one of the worst ones that happens to Troy here because she, she is targeted and she suffers mid, like emotional, physical, like she basically dies, you know I mean? They have to pull some, you know, techno babble science at the end to, yes. to bring her back, you know, uh, <laughs> have to kill her. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> So, th- th- yeah, this is uh, talk about intent. This is this guy is intent, and he was going to move on to the next one, right? I mean, like, like literally, like, like as Troy's eyes, like, oh, you know, his his other aide, I believe it was correct. Uh, um, and he was good. So we see the pattern of this guy in this episode, and this is this is terrible. But, but has a lot of uh, parallels to what people do in real life, unfortunately. Yes, and and you're right, and I like that point where you, you know, you say, like, he definitely, there's this pattern, the intent obviously is clear, and he is targeting, you know, specific people so that he doesn't have to deal with his emotional baggage, negative emotions, right? Right, and actually, you know, this is, this isn't, I don't know, I used to think, that's a terrible episode, so stupid. You know, actually, it is in in Star Trek fashion. It is pretty high concept because I think it's like okay, yeah. What we think about like people have this public persona and they have all this dirty stuff they do behind the scenes. Like if you could just channel and dump your like negativity on somebody just to keep up appearances in public, like you know that's that's the concept of this episode. And uh, it it is it is pretty interesting concept. I don't know the execution, maybe not so much and all that, but. Uh, the, 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 even like even the worst episodes of Star Trek sometimes have something to say, I think, and this one definitely has something to say about that. Yeah, you know, and just as we were talking, it got me thinking about uh, Sarek with Picard, and you know, he has that Vulcan the Bendai syndrome. Yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you. And however, the difference is is that he Picard like knows what is going to happen. He accepts and then they do the mind meld so that he can support Sarek in his mission, right? Mm, no, that's so, a great point. 
So Picard knows what he's getting into, accepts and and fulfills that duty. Here, Troy just is assuming that she's just doing a ritual. I mean, like with what Worf did with Pulaski and they shared the tea, you know, over, you know, that a simple ceremony. And she did not know. So she did not give her consent to accepting all of his negative emotions. She did not accept aging and what that would do to her physical. I think there's that difference that we see with Picard and Sarek versus uh, Troy and Alcar. Yeah, that's a great parallel to draw there. I hadn't thought about that. I was like, well, that's the right way to do it. And not, and not if there's a, not that there's a right way to do something like this. But you see, like, okay, they have a conversation about it. Picard offers to do it. Sarah explains to him the dangers and all this. Uh, this guy, he just he's just doing it, you know, without anyone talking. Yeah, consent is the great word. And who would consent to something like this, right? I mean, this is it's a death sentence is what this guy is giving people. Yeah. So. And yeah, to not even give that person the opportunity. I mean, that's definitely like, a like you violation. Think, you think you could have like a, you know, because you've seen it, right? You can have a cult of people who are like willingly sacrifice themselves for something like this, right? And, and you know, there are people who, who are misguided enough to, to, to do this, right? Uh, but uh, but this guy's not even, he's not even doing that. Like that's wrong in its own way to like get a cult. Of, oh, you're, you're dying for a greater cause and all that. That's at least, at least that's some kind of communication. Now that's still awful. All right, don't get me wrong. Like, that is terrible. No one should do that. Just for the record, right? But but to 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 not to not do to not have like a cult of followers who are just giving you their life force to just steal other people's life force without their consent or even knowledge of what's going on it, it is what makes this such a heinous act. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So we are gradually getting to more and more difficult uh, subjects, and before talking about other episodes. I found it interesting in some of my research um, talking about rape, the definition of rape for the United States Department of Justice. And I got this off uh, their website. And it was interesting to note that the definition of rape did not change until January 2012. So the definition of rape was only against a woman. Um, and it was just very, uh, what am specific? I trying to say? Yes. It was very specific. Um, and when, when and was the original, if you know, when was the original definition? What year was that settled in? 1927. Okay. So 1927 to 2012 is what you're saying. It was unchanged. Wow. Yes. That that surprises that surprises me because that's crazy to think about how much societal and gender roles have changed in what is that like 80, 90 years? I mean that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting because they it wasn't just the definition of rape. It they had it forcible rape. And I'm like, well, rape is forcible. Anyways. Um well, I guess so, a st- statutory is the non forcible. I mean I'm not I'm no lawyer or expert on these matters, okay? But, you know, it's like when, in, in my understanding, it's like 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 when, like, we have all these, unfortunately, stories about, like, educators and students, right? And like they always call it, like, statutory, right? Because even though it was consensual per se, that person is underage, and therefore, you, right. you really can't, you know, say that they gave, they're, they're not of the age of consent, and that's what, that's where statutory comes in. Now, there's probably a hundred more factors to that, but that's my understanding, so. Okay, so... 
From 2002, there's a new definition, um, and it actually is more broad, which I think is better. It's, uh, for one, is gender, gender neutral. So now the victim can be either male or female, which makes sense. So it's now not just women being raped by men which I think is a very important thing to have for a definition of rape because mm. it doesn't just happen to females, right? Correct. The, um, also, the object of rape, um, it's not just with... A sexual organ. You know, you can use, thank you. You can use a, 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 an item or object, an object that is yes. not part of your body uh, to to penetrate someone else, which, which would also count as rape. Yes. So that now is included. Delicate subjects here, listeners. Bear with us. So. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I'm trying to breathe through this. Um, but one of the things that I think was most important was talking about the consent. Um, and so that rape happens even if there is no consent, like if they are unable to give consent, which We've seen now with drugs incapacitating you, if there's no consent, that is still rape, even though they can't say yes or they can't, they can't say no or they can't say yes. So if there's any temporary uh, mental or physical incapacity, that is now under the definition of rape. Um, I also like that it's included that it may be legal or illegal, sorry, um, because if they are under age, so they are not able to give consent like as an adult. So that is now included into this new definition. Um, and physical resistance is not required um, to demonstrate this lack of consent of consent. So you don't have to, one doesn't have to, you know, push away or show resistance. Um, it will still be counted as, as rape. So, um, with that, I want to talk about the child, which was a season two episode one and has been hotly debated amongst Star Trek fans. Um, I think we know this episode, it aired November 21st, 1988. And uh, this is where we have this little ball of light, this energy form comes on the Enterprise, and Troy ends up pregnant. We have the whole discussion of whether she's going to have the baby or not. Um, in the end, she has the baby, names him Ian after her father, and Ian grows remarkably fast and then goes back to being a being of light. Now, I have always felt that this episode was not an issue of rape. I felt like it was more of an issue of woman's right to choose what's happening to her body because I feel like, you know, there's a room of men sitting at this conference table discussing what's going to happen to her body. And she stands up and says, I'm going to have this baby, do what you must, but I'm going to have this baby. And thankfully, Picard listens to her. So I sort of have always thought about this episode, not about an episode of rape, but about an episode of woman's right to choose. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think... Have you, I th- Zach? Yeah, you know, with I think with all great Star Trek or all great science fiction, like, you can... It presents you something, and you can kind of see it however, you know, you your worldview can apply or can challenge your worldview. Like, you can see this, you know, pro-choice, pro-life, whatever you are, right? You see this episode, and you're like, okay, I see, you know, Phil, Troy kept the child, or Troy made a choice, right? So either way, you know, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm on board with this, you know, and... And I, and I agree, that's a very powerful scene when it's like, you're right, all this 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 room of men, right, around this table, like, well, we must terminate the child, and like, well, this is a new life form, we have to study, we hear all these points of view, and they all kind of like, you know, we, you, just, you just zoom in on Troy, and she's hearing all these people, and she just disregards everything they're saying, it's like, well, here's the deal, I'm doing this with this with this child here, do it, as you said, do what you must, and so it, 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 it focuses in on her again, because as you said, a room of people making other decisions for someone is not the, the way to go about it, so... Um, now as, as far as this episode was rape or not, you know, I mean, seeing this as a kid, you're not really thinking in those terms because I saw it at a young age. And so I'm like, oh, it's a, it's an alien who wanted to experience the life cycle of humans or, you know, humanoids and then went through that on this episode. Uh, now, I mean, you can, you can look at what the definitions are for these kinds of things and and I'm getting kind of, I don't want to get like lost in the weeds of like. Of all this kind of thing, but 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 the way I the way I see it is is um you know what what better way to experience you know the the human life cycle than than to be born and to live an accelerated rate and all that stuff. Now the issue would be consent. I guess that's the real point of conversation because she is empathic. She can kind of has an understanding with it, but at the same time, it's not like this alien showed up and said, "Hey," like we were talking about earlier, right? It's like. Here's what's going to happen. I would like to do this. Are you okay with this? And shall we proceed, right? And that would have been, if that would have happened, you know, there would be no conversation at all. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, well, you, you volunteered for this. Oh, we're out here. We're explorers, and this is a great opportunity, right? Maybe that's the way they should have done it. I, I don't know, right? This, this episode, again, let, let's not let's not forget this episode was written for Star Trek Phase Two in the 70s. So that's even, you know, even further back, you know, in, in the terms of, you know, where we were with this kind of thing as far as a society. So I, um, I don't know. That is kind of a sticky subject of the, the, the fact of consent or not in this, because she, she goes to sleep and she wakes up and she's pregnant. That's a scary thing. So I don't think it's rape. I don't know what it is, but I do know that this is, it's a science fiction story. That's like, you know, (laughs) a parable for, you know, an alien trying to, you know, not a parable, but you know, it's, it's a high concept science fiction story. Right. And, Yes, there are some A to B parallels for for our lives, but nothing, everything doesn't have to correlate, you know. So it's it's tricky. <laughs> it's it's a tricky thing. But I personally don't see it as as rape as the definitions that we have described. So. Yeah. So I this probably is the most difficult for me to decide because I am like you. I feel like here's this alien and it wants to experience and how better you walk in someone's shoes. Like it's experiencing what it is like to be a human. Um, and I've always felt that way about the child. And but now looking at the new definition of rape and looking at, okay, there had to have been an object that penetrated her because she had a baby inside of her. So it sort of checks that box and consent. You're right. Did she consent? It happened while she was sleeping. 
So there was no physical resistance there. She did not say yay or nay. Uh, so she did not give consent. Uh, so I'm almost wondering, is this really rape? I, <sighs> yeah, because the, the, I think as, you know, as a writer, like right, writing this episode, they want it to be a mystery, right? So it's like, it's a mystery story of a woman who's pregnant. We don't know where it came from, you know? And it's like, okay, I get the dramatic angle there, but that does sacrifice a lot of what we're talking about here because they wanted to keep, what's going to happen? No, it's, she's She got impregnated last night and she's having a baby a day later. Like like that, you know, it's a mystery. It's an intriguing mystery, but at, at the cost of what? <laughs> right. Right. Because she says, and I put this uh, quote last night. Well, she Riker was like, "Well, who's the father?" Right. Being all accusatory, Riker, I, that was not a good Riker moment. Oh, I should have put that on. Uh, but she says, "Last night while I slept, something which I can only describe as a presence entered my body." Like so, there you have it. I I don't know. I think you're right, and we may be overanalyzing this. Uh, maybe I'm trying to push this off, and I may get a bunch of hate mail. Um, but the intent, going back to our previous discussion, this being was not intending to intentionally hurt her. It may be more along the lines of what we discussed with uh, the loss. It just has no concept of what it's doing because it's not, you know, on our plane of existence, right? So yeah, and that doesn't make it right, but it doesn't make it responsible right. in a way because it doesn't perceive even what it's what it's gone mm-hmm. through. No, it doesn't really apologize at the end either. I guess, but they, you know, they have a nice mental communication at the end as he flies away. So I I, I like to think that they communicate all that there. Well, and I think what you're right, like her telepathic abilities, like I feel that she is talking to the baby as it's growing in her stomach, like they are communicating, which is why she feels that she needs to keep it, you know? So I think the communication is there, prob- not at the first, right? Right, But I think throughout, because she is, you know, constantly protecting Ian and helping him grow and helping him learn the best that he can so that he can experience everything. Like she recognizes that. So I think the communication is there just not at the beginning at the forefront that gives her the chance to, to give consent or not. It's a, and this is the thing, this is Star Trek. You know, this is great about Star Trek. This is an interesting episode. You consider we could talk for like four hours about this, you know, and, and you know what? I don't I don't think there is necessarily a right or wrong answer by any of this. And I think that's the most important thing to understand when we're talking about this, people. There's not necessarily a right or wrong answer to talk about this fictional you know, scenario we're talking about. This, this is a story. This is a drama, sci-fi s- series that presents some good ideas. And the goal is for you to go home and have these conversations about it, which is what we're doing now. So that's my take. Exactly. Excellent. And with that, let's talk about Violations, Season 5, Episode 12, and this aired February 3rd, 1992. Now, this is the one where we've got uh, this family, a father, mother, and a son, who are telepathic, 
and that they help people with their memories by going into their minds and pulling things out. However, the son of this family uh, sexually assaults Troy, basically. Right. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. yeah big time. Big time. Like, this yeah. is the... the there, no, I, I just said there's no right or wrong. Well, there, <laughs> this one, it's it's very black and white with this episode. There's nothing up for interpretation here. This guy is a villain. He ha- he has he, I, and he has a pattern of behavior because as they, as they establish in this episode, because they're because they they do a little research about all the planets of this group of you know it's, it's the race. I forget the name of the race, but that they are telepathic and in, in, in a different way than Troy and Vulcans, but in their, in their own unique way uh, and. There's been a, a a pattern of of comas and things of this nature everywhere they have gone. So it's they pretty much write it out for you right there that that this guy's doing this everywhere they go, uh, and taking advantage of a ability he has uh, to over helpless people because there's no defense for this. You know, especially you know Troy is somewhat of a telepath, so I don't know how much that plays into it. Uh, but you know, you can assume that most of these other people aren't even telepaths, so they can't even even have any fight, have any concept of what's really going on. So uh, th- this is some of the most disturbing imagery of next gen. I think what, what we see in this episode. Amy. Yeah. And, and like you said, this one, it may not be because she is a telepath because these, this race that's coming in, like they were helping. I think Beverly went and had yeah, a memory K- as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that they were like, oh, it's so real. And, it's this you know, so. Or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so the fact that Troy is empathic isn't the issue here like it has been previously. It's that this, uh, Jev, yeah, pinpoints her and even tries to cover it up, you know, because he, he makes it seem like Riker was the one. That sexually oh, this assaulted guy, this her. This guy, this is one of the, like most like 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 worst people <laughs> in Star Trek, right? Because they're you know this character because like he covers it up. He, he tries to yeah he tries to implant Riker being the the guy doing the assault. Then he blames his dad, right? So he's just oh, pointing the finger right. everywhere. He's like, oh, I, you know, my father. You know, I don't. You know, it's like God, man. You know, he and and I'm sure he's gotten away with this so many other times. So it's uh. And that's right. what, that's what this episode is tough to watch because not the the imagery, you know, where, where he's like on top of her and all that, and then also just mm-hmm. the way he's like weaseling his way out of it with these like reasonable explanations. Everyone's like, "Oh well, I guess he's okay," and he's just like, "No, no, that's not what's happening." Like you want to yell at the, at the TV, so it's an unsettling episode, but I think it's a powerful one because it's a good, um, it's a good uh, just as as Star Trek does, right? It takes something from like you know the real world and kind of translates it again, not A to B. Right, nothing has to correlate A to B, but the concept of it, you know, you know what they're talking about when they're talking about this in this episode. Yeah, um, and one of the things that I was thinking about in doing with this uh, episode and this topic was, you know, why would the writers have written something like this, and why would we see these violations over and over again? And can we make the transition of, you know what, this is Star Trek. It's making a commentary about where we are as a people. And when I went to look up the number of rapes in the United States in 1992, uh, it was quite high 42.8 rapes per 100,000 women 
of age 12 or older. And if you think about, it's just so sad. And, And I think that Star Trek has always used science fiction to tell us about where we are in our day and age. And I I feel like that this really hits it right there, that it's like there's too much rape happening, it's going on, and this issue really just hits it right on the head right there. Yeah, I mean, you have powerful men exerting their will on powerless women, right? I mean, that's that's basically what's going on in this episode. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, and even the, even the guy that the Jeff character, like he, he's kind of like his dad's kind of, his, his parent, like his, his parents are overbearing to him. So he kind of seems like that kind of like that Ted Bundy type kind of like guy who's like, Oh, I need to, I need to find a way to like maybe prove myself or prove my masculinity or something like that. Right. And that, that's, you know, who knows? There what definitely was some, yeah. Father issues there. Yeah. So, I mean, and again, like if it doesn't say every, every time that happens, this happens, but it really does fit that mold of what you're familiar with in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. And we have Nemesis, unfortunately. December 9th, 2002 is when it came out. And we have Shinzon through the help of his viceroy, uh, telepathically raping Troy. Um, happens once on screen. However, if you look at a deleted scene, there is another one that happens on a turbo lift. So had it done its original, you know, without director's cut, there would have been two very horrific uh, raping rapes of Troy. I think there are some shots that in the trailers as well. So it it, it sneaked its way, snuck its way into there there as well. But yeah, this is a... Again, this is this is like violations in that the fact that it's like you know it's very like yeah this is rape like you're, there's a a man over a woman you're in their bed right I mean it's just like it's all right there and uh, you don't even need the uh, you know the the, the 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 mentalness of it kind of makes it more sci-fi not family friendly but like you know like it keeps it from being rated R right the fact that it's like a sci-fi thing but this is legit rape. So this is one of the scenarios that unlike violations that we just talked about, like I feel that this happened to Troy because she was an empath. Like it didn't happen to any of the other females. Like the Viceroy couldn't go into another mind. Would you agree with that? That That's true. I think the fact that, you know, because the Viceroy is part, the Remans are, I was going to say they're part Vulcan, but they have some telepathy of their own. And so, so he uses that for shit, which is even creepier. Like he's got his like assistant helping him out with this, and not even that's that's another. Drive. I'm not even gonna go talk about that. Right okay. Now. Oh, no, I didn't even. I, I, yeah, Zach, that gave me the heebie-jeebie. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you're right because he he can mentally connect with her, um, but he did notice her earlier. Which is kind of creepy because like, oh, it, well, a human human woman. I've never seen a human woman before. And I'm like, oh, yeah. what's going Can on Yeah, can I here? touch your hair? Yeah. Ooh, that's... No, you may not. So, and yeah, Ricard's like, hey, we're here to talk business. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, this is, but she does get to, I mean, this is specifically because she has that telepathic um, uh, ability that, that allows them to find her, right? And then here's the deal, right? Like, 
it's nice that she gets some revenge at the end because they reverse the whole connection to find them, right? But at the same time, that doesn't like the ends do not justify the means, in my opinion. Like we could have just dropped that whole thing. It would have been fine. Just the fact, oh, look, guys, it's okay because we got them back in the end. Like, I don't, that doesn't really, two wrongs don't make a right, or that's the wrong word for that. But, to, you know, that doesn't make it okay that they made that choice earlier. That's my opinion. What, what about you, Amy? Um, it, yeah, it doesn't make it right, but I really do love that. Not only because it was her idea that she's like, I can find him. I can, yeah, reverse and, you know, find him telepathically like that. I like that it was her idea that she came up with it and that she's like turning, and I talk about this a lot, but turning a disadvantage into an advantage. And so to me, it highlights her character and able to overcome that. Uh, yeah, so that's true. I mean, I, I mean, and you're right. It would be different if Picard was like, hey, look, uh, you know that thing where he found you? Do you think you could find him? Like she, she volunteers and, and all that. That's that's very yeah. important component of it. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. I think that's what saves that whole scene for me is that it's her idea. Because, you know, when she tells Picard, like, I, I can't, you know, you need to take me off duty. And then Picard says, no, I did not appreciate his lack of understanding with Picard that. Picard doesn't let anyone I take off. Data wants to take off because of emotion. Nope, got to keep working. Troy wants to take off. Nope, yep. got to keep working. Like, Picard, <laughs> man. I thought you I thought you bellowed out in the movies. I guess not. I know, yeah. He he got brutal there. But it gave, and here's the deal, right? It gave Troy something to do in the movies. But is this is this what we wanted? No, like when you say, oh, let, let's give Troy and Crusher something to do. Like this isn't really what we had in mind. Um, and of course, the and, and, and it is borrowing from things as Nemesis does a lot of, but that's the topic of discussion, right? But it, it is, it is borrowed from things that happened in Star Trek previously, you know? So it's like, oh, okay, well, there's an episode where this kind of happened with Troy. Let's, let's do that again, you know? And, and, uh, I think it's even, I think like the chapter on the DVDs even call like violations or, or something, you know, as, as a reference to the episode. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's great to see her have an empowering moment because she suffered through this. And that, but that's not going to break her. She's going to fight back, and that's what helps save the day at the end. Um, but it was again, it's uncomfortable to see now. And just because things are uncomfortable to see, though, doesn't mean we don't want to see them because these are problems. You don't want to ignore them. So again, you know, we're we're talking all angles of this here. Today. Yeah, and again, like this is if we look at the commentary on where we are as a people in two thousand two, so ten years. 90. Yeah. Oh, wow. 10 years. Okay. Wow. I didn't realize it was like that 10 long years after, that after violations. Um, looking at the stats, um, there were 33.1 rapes per 100,000. So actually, there had been a decline in the number of rapes or reported rapes um, within that 10 years. So I think, however, that's still an alarmingly large number of women or people that are getting raped. Yeah. And I mean, so the numbers should be still, zero, right? That's, that's the goal, right? Yes. But, but, but there is downward trend. So that's positive. So. Yes. And when I was looking, it was those, that 92, 93, the, the numbers were just spiked and we have been getting a downward trend. Um, and I think not because of, but with people having these discussions and recognizing what is rape? I think um, just talking about it will help 
it to not happen as much. I think that just having that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, like don't, don't ignore these problems. Those are uncomfortable to talk about. Like let's, and then even though like we maybe agree or disagree with the way Star Trek chose to go about presenting them to us over the years. Right. It's part of it. And now we're having this conversation. Right. And that's a good thing because, you know, uh, any, any thing that anytime fiction kind of make you think, about real world and real world problems and have a real discussion about current events and how the, you live in your life and how you've been part of society and all that stuff. That's, that's powerful stuff. And that is why Star Trek has endured because from, from the original show onward, they've tackled these tough issues about like, you know, racism and you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And that, and that's why, that's what elevates it more than just kind of disposable fiction. Well, and I think now, you know, 2019 as we record this like with the whole me too movement it's really getting out there um having the discussions not blaming the victim like it's i think just on this great trend of being recognized as a problem and that society's i think coming together to fix it and to try and figure out how to not let this happen anymore yeah, no, and and even you know to to take it through the the fictional lens, right? We talked about, oh yeah, uh, Troy. Every episode, this has happened to her. Like, if you look at what did we talk about here? Like, less than I, I think you and I pretty much the way we categorized him in in the you know rape category, we had two, possibly a third, right? With the child, the child's the one kind of on the fence. Out of one hundred seventy six episodes of Next Gen and four movies, that's not a lot. Okay, and it's not like they it's not like they kept going back to some trope over and over. There were a couple of episodes where they kind of blocked her telepathy for various ways. That's those are different categories. It's still a form of assault in a way, intent or no intent. But I mean, it's not the trope people think it is. And so Troy had a lot more going on than just that. Uh, now, you know, I I think they they did have a challenge writing for Troy and Crusher. I think, and, just, and this is my take on it. Because they were in these maternal kind of roles, these these womanly roles, like oh the doctor and the counselor, you know. They tried. They had a woman security chief that didn't work out, you know. Um, they 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 had a, a tough, you know, ex terrorist, uh, you know, freedom fighter in and row. They wanted to keep her around. That didn't work out, right? So 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 TNG they did try. You know, I give them a lot of credit for trying to bring in these strong female characters, you know. Uh, but a lot of times the guest stars would 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 be it because you know just. Just, that's that's just how that's how the, that's how it, it all worked out in the end uh but it was the 80s you know <laughs> i mean there was different societal roles and all that back then it was natural for like, oh the doctor's a woman right or the, the counselor is a woman right so as we see in the star trek series continues you know you have kira dax janeway etc cetera, etc cetera, michael burnham right so uh star trek itself has evolved with the way it presents its female characters and uh and hopefully that that continues yeah. Um, I think now as we record this again, like looking at the stats that I did, like millions of women in the United States have experienced rape. And if, it was one out of six women in the U.S. And I just that stat just breaks my heart. And I looking at that and looking at these episodes, I think, man, if we cannot get upset at the trope of Troy getting raped and get upset that rape is happening 
still today. Like that's where the anger needs to be placed, in my opinion, not at the writers of the Star Trek, not at the character of Troy. Like they may have done a poor job writing it, but I think they were trying to get this subject out there to get people talking about it so that we could address this issue and not have it be such this terrible weight on society that I feel it is. You know, that is a great point. You know, as fans, we, we, we have a lot of fan rage <laughs> at things, you know, uh, direct that rage towards things that matter. You know, uh, I'm, I, you know, I love to nitpick about Star Trek. Well, oh, Discovery doesn't fit in this continuity. Like, that's fun for me. I enjoy that. But I don't get like, oh, my God, I'm so bad at this. Right. Direct your anger at something more constructive. Like these real world issues. That's a great point, Amy. Well, you did want to say something about her being Beta Zed, uh, but I, you might have covered it already. Part of my point was, you're right, that we did cover it, that, you know, this happened because she was Beta Zed. And if you are uh, a nemesis, if you are this villain who is going to, you're going to try anything to get the advantage. You are going to try and destroy everything. So you're going to find the weaknesses and you're going to pick at them. Like that's the point of a villain. So the fact that it happens in Nemesis, that's the point of having a villain, right? The fact that this, uh, in violations that Jev, he is looking for someone who is weak. He is going to try and use whatever he can to satisfy like that's what happens with Alcar, right? So I I see it as it is part of the story, but that's what makes a villain. That's what makes this a, a strong nemesis because they're going to do whatever it takes. And I, I don't know, you can't blame them because that's their purpose. That's the point of the story. Yeah, you know, you know, in fiction, we love villains, right? We love to hate villains. There's villains you love to hate and villains you just hate, right? And these are the kind of villains you hate. There's something to love about these villains, you know, uh, and they, they, they're bad people and bad people do bad things. Right. And, and they're going to seek out the opportunity and use that to their advantage. And that's what they're doing. That's what happens in these episodes. So, yeah. And so the fact that Troy has this in their eyes, a weakness in our eyes, we see it as a strength. Right. The, the fact that they recognize this and they're going to contort it and say, how can I use that to get what I want? Like that's pure and simple, the definition of a villain. So um, I think that has something to do with this thread that we're talking about. And I think that you can see that being used with any character in Star Trek. They're going to find a weakness and they're going to dig at it. Yeah. And this is, you know, the, the subject of, of rape. This is really, you know, other than Discovery, right? In season one, they, they kind of address that and they kind of became not that they kind of undercut what they were doing with that because it was something that we didn't think it was right but before that uh this is really the only kind of way star trek even tackled that because again like i was saying i think with when we're talking about nemesis like because you make it like telepathy and you make it science fiction it makes it more okay to talk about but that's the same way the original series did stuff with like racism like oh because they're these aliens that are half black and half white let's talk about racism because this woman is getting you know uh, violated in her mind, you know, let's talk, uh, you know, that's how we're going to talk about women, women getting violated physically. So there is, again, like, I, like I've been saying here, this whole conversation, cause it's, it's, you know, it's just, these things are tough to talk about. So we're trying to talk about all the angles. Um, 
everything is not an A to B correlation, but if you just kind of look at it from all the angles, you can see what they're trying to tell you and their messages here and things to be applied. So that is just the tradition of what these science fiction morality. That's what that's what these are. The Star Trek is like morality plays in science fiction. That's what these are, and these are the messages they're sure they're trying to communicate. Absolutely. Well, it's been interesting talking about Troy's dishonor, but that isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. Here's what you might have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Meta Treks. Wow, I had no idea that was possible. It's this ongoing link that exists between Michael Burnham and Sarek because of this mind meld that he had with her when she was a child. Mike, I- I'm going to give you a Radio Shack joke because I know you and I both have Radio Shack experience. If this yes. were the ni- if this episode happened in the 1990s, they would have had prepaid long distance mind meld cards. To the journey. But I do have a question. Why was Neelix focusing on classic American cuisine as a marketable job skill in going back to the Alpha Quadrant? Why classic American cuisine? Why not Chinese, Japanese, or Vulcan? Come on. I think that the culinary tastes will continue to degrade for the next three or four centuries. And by the 24th century, it'll only be classic American that's left. You know, all other cuisine will have gone by the wayside. So pot roast, pot pie, apple pie. Yeah, every restaurant is Taco Bell, essentially. Yeah, it's the it's the demolition man problem. That's disgusting. Literary treks. I think we could not do this novel without inviting a special guest, Amy Nelson. Amy, how are you doing? Hi, I am so excited. Imzadi, Riker, Troy, it is the best. I am so grateful, honored, pleased that you even thought of me for coming on Literary Trek. So thank (laughs) you so, so much. Yeah, we're like, do you think there's anybody on the network that would like to talk about Deanna Troy? Hmm. hmm. I think I have hmm. corner on the market on that one. Standard orbit. Vulcans are not incapable of showing emotion, but apparently they are incapable of lying. Quote well, that's, that's their reputation. I mean, who told you? Vulcans tell you that. Of course they would. I mean, that's their <laughs> reputation, you know. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all these shows and join the conversation about your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, or Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they're published. And please leave us a star rating and written review. That helps others find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, YouTube, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We know this was a very uh, hot topic conversation, so we'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback on today's show. There are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in a larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and it should come right up. And if you would like to send us an email a little bit more privately, please go to trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and then select Earl Grey. That will come right to us. And depending on your privacy issues, we may or may not read your email on the show. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. 
So Zach, when you're not listening to music box music, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter at more on Zach. That's M O O R E O N Z C H. Uh, I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Sold on the Smallville. We talk about each and every episode of the Young Superman show over there. You can find us on Twitter at Always Smallville with one S. And I'm hosting Standard Orbit with Ken Tripp and Haley Stoddard. Uh, you can find us here on the network. We publish uh, every Monday or most Mondays <laughs> uh, on Trek FM. You can find us on Twitter at Trek FM. And we talk about all things the original series, Captain Kirk and the Enterprise over there. And because I've been on your other show. That's right. <laughs> We've watched a new show. Uh, me and Brandon Shamatilla, you guys know from Warp 5 and Melodic Treks. We have a show called Franchise Fatigue. And we talk about the franchises. Uh, movie franchises with lots of sequels. And uh, if, the, uh, if and when those franchises get fatigued. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter at UFP Earth. That's on the United Federation of Podcasts. Uh, and so Amy was recently a guest. She talked about Mission Impossible 4 with me and Brandon. And that was a fun conversation. That's one of the best spoilers. It's one of the best movies in the franchise. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not fatigued yet, right? But yeah, it's been a lot of fun to talk about, uh, you know, talk about movies, talk about something that's not Star Trek, but still fun to talk about. So and thanks for being our guest. Yeah. Over one of our first guests. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So when people aren't listening to you on our show over there, where else can they find you online? Well, you can find me here on the network where I co-host The Edge with Patrick Devlin. I'm also doing postcards from The Edge now that Discovery Season 2 is out. Woot, woot. You can find me on the Fandom Podcast Network doing Discoville with my good friends Haley Stoddart from Standard Orbit and Kevin Reitzel and Kyle Wagner. And we talk everything Discovery and the Orville. Yes, I watch the Orville. Star Trek Orville? Do you, Zach? <laughs> yeah, Star Trek Orville. You know, I haven't watched the Orville, but I hear good things from everyone. And I have Hulu, so it's all on there. So I just I just need to yeah, sit down is. and watch it. Because, you know, of people's opinions I value, like the show, I think there must be something to it. So I'll, I'll be checking it out. All right. Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter, at Miss Amy Nelson. But my favorite place is right there in the Babel Conference. All right. Well, if you'd like to help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash trekfm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits, and more, available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host, and distribute these shows each month. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you can find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. We like to take this opportunity and recognize our current associate producers, Norman Lau, Justin Ozer, Michael Huter, and Thomas Appel. Thank you for supporting Trek FM and especially Earl Grey. Well, listeners, I hope that you will come back after listening to this episode. And until then, great joy and gratitude. Live long and prosper.